sounds of the Anteater Kingdom on 88.9 FM KUCI in Irvine. Why do you linger here when there is no hope? There is still hope. Tempted to think there's no hope for overcoming some of the challenges of modern life? Ask an elf. Or a hobbit. Tune in Tuesdays, 4 to 5 p.m. with Milo Lomsdown at your service and... Tani Tanuvial, the resident KUCI Middle Earth elf. For What Would Arwen Do? on KUCI Irvine, 88.9 FM, and streaming live on KUCI.org. The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information on this or other KUCI programs, visit KUCI.org or KUCITalk.org. You are listening to KUCI in Irvine, 88.9 FM, Orange County's alternative radio station, and quite possibly the best radio station in the history of Middle Earth. And to my charming, charming co-host, Milo Lomsdown, welcome. Oh my gosh, at your service as always, Elf Princess. It's so great to be here. We have so many surprises. We have a guest in studio. We're going to talk to someone about trees on the phone line. It's so wonderful. I'd like to say welcome to all my nieces and nephews, in-laws, my friend Martin in Toronto, and Chuck and Donna in Los Angeles. And... For those that are listening, we are broadcasting from 88.9 FM in Irvine, but what if people don't live within our 200 watts of power? Well, as a hobbit, I don't much care for things more complicated than a donkey <laughs> cart. However, if you have that newfangled Internet thing, you can go to www.kuci.org 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We're live streaming on the Internet around the world. And I know we sometimes have listeners from Canada, from Washington State, and even occasionally from the U.K., so welcome to those of you who are listening live on the Internet, and welcome to those of you who are listening to our podcast, because we record this and then post it up to the Internet, usually the day after, and you can get our podcast either at KUCITalk.org or go to 
the iTunes store and search for Arwen, A-R-W-E-N, and you'll find us there also for free download in the iTunes store under podcasts. Isn't technology wonderful? It is wonderful <laughs> when it works, Elf Princess. When it doesn't work, like the ATM refused to give me my money two weeks ago, then oh. it's not very nice. Oh, well... For the most part, it, it tends to make things easier, except for except for when it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> but this is KUCI-FM Irvine, and thankfully, the technology seems to be working fine today for us here. Yes, and it's wonderful because KUCI is one, well, we broadcast from the University of California at Irvine, and we are one of the few radio stations that streams 24 hours a day, seven days a week through our website and through iTunes. Certainly one of the rarest stations as far as quality with our wide range of music, everything from hip-hop to reggae to classical to noise to funk. It's an (laughs) unbelievable panoply, as well as wonderful public affairs, that is talk shows, on writing, on Middle Earth, on many, many, many topics. Pie-up identity theft and uh, student activism. So in case you are tuning in for the very first time, you may be wondering what this show, What Would Arwen Do, is all about. Well, if a Middle-earth elf lived today in Southern California, in Irvine to be more precise, what might her life look like? How would she, as a modern elf, celebrate and support the arts, music, her community, and the preservation of Earth, its beauty, resources, and creatures? Some people like to ask, what would Jesus do? And that is a very good question to ask. But on this program, when challenges in life arise, or as the wizard Gandalf puts it, questions, questions that need answering, we like to ask, what would Arwen do? And who was Arwen, you may be wondering. In J.R.R. Tolkien's mythology of Middle-earth, Arwen was an elf princess, the daughter of Elrond, a prince among elves and lord of Rivendell, a magical place of healing lore and wisdom, perhaps not unlike the community here at UC Irvine. In Tolkien and The Lord of the Rings, A Guide to Middle-earth, Colin Durius wrote, In his invented mythology of Middle-earth, Tolkien intended that his elves were an extended metaphor of a key aspect of human nature. This, quote, elven quality in human life was a central preoccupation of Tolkien's. Elves, like dwarves, hobbits, and the like, partially represent human beings. In Tolkien's mythology, elves represent what is high and noble in humans. In particular, they represent the arts in their highest form, work done in the image of God, and his created world. So my hope, our hope, is that by tuning in and spending some time with us on Tuesday afternoons, we are here every Tuesday from 4 to 5 p.m., that you will be inspired to acts of creativity, nobility, and service. Isn't that so, dear Hobbit? Absolutely. There, there are many, many things to get involved in, and we're, we're going to have a few brief announcements today, but next week we'll have a program where there's lots of Lots of ways for you to get involved. We'll have yes. lots of announcements next next week. This week, we have two guests. We do. And before we get too far, uh, I'd like to say a special hello to any of our friends who might be listening online, <clears throat> uh, especially my friends that may be listening through my favorite Tolkien message board, 
Torque, theonering.com, possibly uh, Vana and Guru listening from up in Washington, Scribbles up in Canada, maybe Ro listening from down in Escondido, which I can't wait to have Ro come back on and tell us about her archery adventures uh, this summer, teaching kids and adults archery all year, all summer long. She is such a phenomenal woman. She is just wonderful. Yeah, so, um, but... Uh, today, we have so many things, and before we go any further, I would love to welcome into the conversation our special guest today, just as a little background, KUCI is a radio station that is uh, completely staffed by volunteers. We are over 100 volunteers here, and they um, are students, they are staff and faculty here at UCI, but we are also community members, and KUCI is one of the few radio stations who actually opens its training to community members one quarter out of the year, uh, that being the summer quarter, where members of the community can come, take the training, learn all about the FCC rules and how to run the equipment and just get all kinds of training and support for doing their own radio show. And we're nearing the end of one of the trainings that's going on right now. And one of the things that you do get to do with uh, when you take the training is... Uh, sit in on existing shows and learn a little bit, a bit just being right on the air. So today we have Heather. Hello, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. I'm happy to be here. And let's see. Let's uh, uh, the mics. This is um, yeah. We're we have uh, we have great equipment here, but sometimes we have to make a little adjustments. I want to make sure everybody can hear you. Are you there yet? Like, yes, here? I'm here. Can you hear me? Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> oh, thank you. Hi, how are you? Great. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Happy to be here. So, Heather, are you are you guys just about rounding out your uh, your DJ training? We are. Tonight we have our final exam, and then we submit our skim tape soon, and hopefully we'll get picked to have an amazing show like yours. So, <laughs> uh, we have so many wonderful things, a show packed full of things today, but I would love for us to take a few minutes just to hear a little bit about how it is that you found out about KUCI and what motivated you to come and take the training and be here where you are. Well, I actually interned at a other few radio stations, but they don't give you the opportunity to get your own show or be on the air. So I found out that this radio station was close to where I live. I live in Orange County. I love Orange County. And I was very happy to learn that your radio station offers um, volunteers to be able to, you know, give them an opportunity to have their own show. Mm-hmm. So that was very, that was just awesome to me. So I was just happy to start um, the internship and see how far it would take me. Well, we do a training every quarter here mm-hmm. at uh, <coughs> KCI. And do you feel like you've gotten the training you need to to be able to kind of maybe next quarter jump in and try your hand at doing your own show? I don't think I'll ever get all of the training I need. <laughs> <laughs> do you plan on applying for a show? I definitely, definitely plan on applying for a show. And do you want to do music, or do you, are you interested more in like a talk I'm show? I'm more interested in talk show. I love to talk. I love to laugh. You know, I think people would love me just as much as I love people. So, <laughs> we so, should we should explain to the listeners. Heather mentioned a skim tape, and that is sort of a sample of her work. Each student, each prospective. DJ, disc jockey, uh, radio show host must submit a sample of their work to the training coordinator for approval, and that we call a skim tape. So, um, do you know what kind of a show you might want to do? 
it's so funny because we have to turn that tape in, I think, uh-huh. by Monday, and I am still <laughs> not ready <laughs> because I have to pick one show out of, like, a million ideas I have. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard when you've wanted to do something for so long right. and you get your opportunity and it's like, which one am I going to pick out? Because you want it to be perfect. You want to introduce yourself to well, the world is, you know. It'll be fine. One one of the wonderful things about uh, being involved with KCI that I discovered early on was that, number one, it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, this is a wonderful training ground for people who want to break into professional radio. Um, you know, we do have a large listening audience, but it's also an opportunity, you know, to not have to have everything be exactly perfect like you hear, you know, in some of the big commercial radio exactly. stations. So, But it also makes us more organic and kind of more like real, <laughs> I think sometimes. Yes, yes, I agree. And uh, and and uh, I think you're going to be great. Because one of the things is just having so many ideas, um, but you know, at some point you've got to kind of pick one. I know. But I definitely <laughs> will. I definitely will today. <laughs> well, and you have luck. less than a week, and I should I give you a piece of advice that the studios. We have three studios here that you can that that are in operation. Only two can you really use to make a skim tape, and those book up quickly. So. Don't wait too long. I won't. I will have <laughs> it figured out today, I promise. <laughs> so, um, so Heather, thank you so much for being here today. Thank and I you hope for you, having me. I hope you learn something that helps you on your, on your grand adventure of um, radio at UC Irvine. Um, we're going to do a little switch here. I hope it's okay. Could you just give a station ID, though, for our listeners in case they're wondering who they're listening to? You are listening to KUCI in Irvine. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Heather. Thank you. So uh, this is a show kind of dedicated to the works of uh, J.R. Tolkien. And for those of us who are lovers of Middle Earth, the movies, the books, all things, all things uh, Middle Earth related. And Tolkien was a great lover of trees. In fact, one of his, uh, an essay that he wrote, uh, which is somewhat autobiographical and more, actually more allegorical for his life, uh, was um, from... Uh, called uh, Leaf by Niggle. And a wonderful story. A wonderful story. And uh, trees figured so prominently in so much of the work of J.R. Tolkien, especially if you've had a chance to read any of the back story of uh, Lord of the Rings. Of course, in Lord of the Rings, we have Treebeard and the, the Fangorn Forest and where Tom Bombadil was uh, living. Um, but in the original creation of Middle Earth, uh, it was at f- it was first lit by the two lamps, and then it was lit by the two trees, right. from which come came the essence for the Silmarils, right. uh, around which all of the stories we wouldn't have the story of the Hobbit or the Lord of the Rings or any of that were it not for the Silmarils and the light of the original two trees. So. Um, there's an exhibit that's been going on for some time right now. Um, it's at Scape Gallery. It's also still going on for a while this week at the House of Balsamic in Irvine called Speak for the Trees. An amazing exhibit of uh, lots of different artists that the curator, Jeannie Denholm, has brought together all these artists with um, work relating to the love of trees. And she's going to be with us today talking about the exhibit and of an amazing um, event that's coming up this coming Saturday the 10th uh, that will be supporting uh, a local organization. So, but I thought, dear Hobbit friend, we would share a little bit of, straight from the professor, from um, this, the book, The Tolkien Reader, actually. The Tolkien Reader has the Leaf by Niggle story in it, and I believe it also has the essay 
called On Fairy Stories, Stories. which is a tremendous, tremendous literary essay. Yes, and in fact, um, I'm going to read just the little introductory note here that was written by J.R. Tolkien that makes mention of trees, and then if you would be so gracious, I'm like for you to read actually some of his the first part of his story uh, Leaf by Niggle at your service as always thank you and um, so this uh, these two works um, the in here in the introductory notes tree and, tree and leaf actually contains contains on fairy stories which is an essay which was J.R. Tolkien's defense of fantasy for adults and also his story Leaf by Niggle and here in his in his own introductory note, it says, These two things, On Fairy Stories and Leaf by Niggle, are here reprinted and issued together. They are no longer easy to obtain, but they may still be found interesting, especially by those to whom the Lord of the Rings has given pleasure. Though one is an essay and the other a story, they are related. By the symbols of tree and leaf, by and by both touching in different ways on what is in the essay called Subcreation. They also they were written in the same time period, nineteen thirty eight to thirty nine, when the Lord of the Rings was beginning to unroll itself and to unfold prospects of labor and exploration in yet unknown country as daunting to me as to the hobbits. About that time we had reached Bree, and I had then no more notion than they had of what had become of Gandalf, or who Strider was, and I had begun to despair of surviving to find out. The essay was originally composed as an Andrew Lang lecture and was in a shorter form delivered in the University of St. Andrews in 1938. It was eventually published with a little enlargement as one of the essays, items in essays presented to Charles Williams. The story, and this is Leaf by Niggle, was not published until 1947. It has not been changed since it reached manuscript form very swiftly one day when I awoke with it already in mind. So interesting, it hardly had any changes. One of its sources was a great-limbed poplar tree that I could see even lying in bed. It was suddenly lopped and mutilated by its owner, I do not know why. It is cut down now, a less barbarous punishment for any crimes it may have been accused of, such as being large and alive. I do not think it had any friends or any mourners except myself and a pair of owls. Yes, just lovely, lovely writing. Even his fiction writing is so lovely. Yes. And so here, dear Hobbit, if you would read from the first part of Leaf by Niggle. And um, so, in a sense, his work, this because uh, it talks about leaves and, and niggling and, you know, having paying attention to detail, and consider that it has to do with his love of his languages and a place for those languages to live in. Yes, yes. So here is the beginning of the story Leaf by Niggle by J.R.R. R. Tolkien. There was once a little man called Niggle who had a long journey to make. He did not want to go. Indeed, the whole idea was distasteful to him. But he could not get out of it. He knew he would have to start sometime, but he did not hurry with his preparations. Niggle was a painter. Not a very successful one, partly because he had many other things to do. Most of these things he thought were a nuisance, but he did them fairly well, when he could not get out of them, which, in his opinion, was far too often. The laws in his country were rather strict. There were other hindrances, too. For one thing, he was sometimes just idle, and did nothing at all. For another, he was kind-hearted, in a way. 
You know the sort of kind heart. It made him uncomfortable more often than it made him do anything. And even when he did anything, it did not prevent him from grumbling, losing his temper, and swearing, mostly to himself. All the same, it did land him in a good many odd jobs for his neighbor, Mr. Parrish, a man with a lame leg. Occasionally, he even helped other people from further off, if they came and asked him to. Also, now and again, he remembered his journey, and began to pack a few things in an ineffectual way. At such times, he did not paint very much. He had a number of pictures on hand. Most of them were too large and ambitious for his skill. He was the sort of painter who can paint leaves better than trees. He used to spend a long time on a single leaf, trying to catch its shape and its sheen and the glistening of dewdrops on its edges. Yet he wanted to paint a whole tree with all of its leaves in the same style and all of them different. There was one picture in particular which bothered him. It had begun with a leaf caught in the wind, and it became a tree, and the tree grew, sending out innumerable branches and thrusting out the most fantastic roots. Strange birds came and settled on the twigs and had to be attended to. Then all around the tree and behind it, through the gaps in the leaves and boughs, a country began to open out, and there were glimpses of a forest marching over the land and of mountains tipped with snow. Niggle lost interest in his other pictures, or else he took them and tacked them on to the edges of his great picture. Soon the canvas became so large that he had to get a ladder, and he ran up and down it, putting in a touch here and rubbing out a patch there. <clears throat> When people came to call, he seemed polite enough, though he fiddled a little with the pencils on his desk. He listened to what they said, but underneath he was thinking all the time about his big canvas in the tall shed that had been built for it out in his garden, on a plot where once he had grown potatoes. <laughs> he could not get rid of his kind heart. I wish I was more strong-minded, he sometimes said to himself, meaning that he wished other people's troubles did not make him feel uncomfortable. But for a long time he was not seriously perturbed. At any rate, I shall get this one picture done, my real picture, before I have to go on that wretched journey, he used to say. Yet he was beginning to see that he could not put off his start indefinitely. The picture would have to stop just growing and get finished. Amazing, amazing. What tremendous writing by Tolkien. And it is a beautiful little story, but it, it is such an insight into his, because he was, you know, he was playing with his languages and his, his stories, his backstories, all the tales of Middle-earth for so long. And, and, also, and, you know, because the De Silmarillion actually didn't come to publication until after his death um, through the work of his son, Christopher. Even though, in fact, I believe we have a lot of evidence, again, edited by his son, Christopher, that even though The Hobbit was published in 1937, that elements of the Silmarillion were worked on earlier, as oh, earlier yes. as towards the end of World War I, yes. 1917-1918 time period. So uh, I always feel a great debt of gratitude, not only to J.R.R. Tolkien, but to his son Christopher, without whom we would not have the whole history of Middle-earth, all 12 volumes, the Silmarillion, and many of the, many you know, the Book of Lost Tales, and all came, of those wonderful came later. things. Yes. So, but, and so today we have an opportunity to celebrate trees. I think J.R. Tolkien would have been very... Um, 
very pleased at the idea of celebrating trees and, and of artists celebrating trees. And yes. So in just a few moments, uh, Jeannie Denholm will be calling in, and I found a wonderful version of a uh, song. This is an ancient, uh, not ancient, an old I- traditional Irish song yes. about one of the great trees, um, Bonnie Portmore, and I found it on YouTube. Oh, because, wonderful. Because the original Body Portmore, not the original, but the song Body Portmore was uh, largely popularized through uh, Lorena McKennett, and it was in the movie Highlander. Right. Uh, beautiful, beautiful uh, song. But um, Lorena's had plenty of airtime, so this is a beautiful Let's version. Let's give another version some yes, airtime. Yes. So this is a group called Wisdom, which I, I guess are kind of a metal electronic um, band, you know, Kind of fits right in with KCI. We have uh, all kinds of alternative music here. So um, this is Bonnie Portmore, and let's see if we can make this work. Technology is our friend, and here we go. <laughs> Wasn't that beautiful? The uh, group is called Wisdom, W-H-Y-Z-D-O-M. That's on uh, YouTube, which is, I'm a big big fan of YouTube because um, I love it because they have lots of excerpts of the Lord of the Rings movies. Well, (laughs) I love that music that you found there, Elf Princess. Yes, Bonnie Portman. You're listening, by the way, to KUCI-FM Irvine, the greatest radio station in the history of Middle Earth. And we are thinking and talking and listening to music about trees today. Yes, and that was a traditional Irish song about a big, beautiful tree, Bonnie Portmore. And uh, wasn't that a beautiful version? Just beautiful, yes. beautiful. So if you are interested, you can uh, check it out, do a search on YouTube. That's bon- I just did Bonnie Portmore Wisdom, which is W-H-Y-Z-D-O-M, and you can find that beautiful version as there are, of course, the versions by uh, Lorena McKinnon and Enya are up there as well. So, but it is time now for our guest. I've been so excited for weeks. I've been wanting to um, have Jeannie come on and talk about the exhibit of Speak for the Trees. And let me see. Jeannie, are you there? I am here. Welcome, welcome to What Would Arwen Do? (laughs) I'm very excited. We have been persistent in getting, making this happen. Yes, we have. And I have to say that I was able to get down. I mean, originally I discovered all of this through the exhibit over at the Orange Coast College, Speak for the Trees. And through that, I uh, was able to find out about your exhibit and the thing that's going on at House of Balsamic and all of these wonderful things that you actually have brought together, in, including uh, this um, just this wonderful book that was put together by this artist up in, um, is it Oregon or Washington? I forgot. It's uh, actually a colleague of mine in the art business. She's a dealer and has two galleries, one in Seattle and one in Sun San- Valley, Idaho, and her name is Andrea Friesen. And that's A-N-D-R-I-A-F-R-I-E. S-E-N. And we'll hear a little bit more of that uh, so- soon, but you are the owner and founder of Scape Gallery in Corona Del Mar. Is that right? 
That is correct. And could you tell us a little bit about what you do over there at Skate? Because you're also, I mean, you have the gallery, but you're also involved in the world of art in another capacity as well, right? Right. We, uh, my business partner, Diane Nelson, and I uh, started this business about eight years ago in Corona del Mar, and we're sort of a hybrid gallery. I come from an art advising background. I have a strong background advising um, corporations and private individuals with um, building art collections. And Diane Nelson used to have a gallery in uh, the history of having galleries in Laguna Beach. And so she comes from a very strong gallery background. And when we merged our businesses, we're one part gallery because we do show exhibitions and rotate exhibitions on a regular basis in our um, exhibition space in Corona Mar. But we also work with individuals and corporations and offer art advising services. And in addition, our goal and objective when we set up this business uh, was to really try to be a force in the community where we could um, just be a fundamental link for the arts and uh, participate and collaborate on a lot of different levels with other people that are doing things in the community as well, either culturally or specifically related to visual arts. And so that's where we reach out and try to get involved, um, like we did with the Speak for the Trees exhibit recently where it was showing in three locations and, um, you, and sharing the theme. Yeah, and you were the curator for all, for, um, well, for, for all, did you organize the whole thing or you, I know you curated your, the, the exhibit at Escape Gallery and at House of Balsamic. Right. But you kind of brought... I, I worked with Andrea Harris at Orange Coast College and sort of, um, presented the idea, but she curated that portion of her exhibit at, at the Orange Coast College, and I just did the one uh, at Southern California Art Projects Exhibition, Escape, and uh, House of Balsamic. Mm-hmm. And so, Escape, actually, because I always thought, well, that's an interesting name for a gallery. That's actually an acronym, correct? It is. For? It, it stands for Southern California Art Projects and Exhibitions, ah. and it's more of a descriptive title of um what we do, we since I, we're not just a gallery in that sense. We didn't use the word gallery in our name, and we do get a lot in a lot in a lot of um, art projects in the community as well as up in Los Angeles and some out of state. And then we do the exhibitions is a big part of our programming as well. So it's a big umbrella under which a lot of things fall. Wonderful, and I think Milo, jump right in there. Yes. Um Welcome to the to the program, Jeannie, thank and thank you, you thank for you. the wonderful work you do. Uh, as you. a as a hobbit, I like to be practical. I like to okay. get to the no no nonsense, hard tax, and practical. Can you please give the address and or phone number and or website for Scape? Sure, it's uh, twenty eight fifty nine East Coast Highway in Corona del Mar. We are located between Goldenrod and Heliotrope on the ocean side of Coast Highway. And uh, the phone number is 949-723-3406. And the website is www.scapesite, so it's S-C-A-P-E-S-I-T-E dot com. So um, 
as an elf, of course, I want to know all about the art, <laughs> the artist, and, and what's coming up next artistically. Um, I am so excited. I've been, I have visited Escape Gallery before as a part of the writer's salon that Barbara DeMarco Barrett uh, yes. does there, who is one of our fellow, my fellow, our fellow um, public affairs hosts and the host of Writers on Writing, which is on every Wednesday morning, uh, co-hosted with uh, Marie Stone. And Barbara puts together these amazing writer salons and hosts them over at Scape Gallery. And I believe there's one tonight, is there not? There is. And uh, if uh, I, she sent me an email, and I forgot to write down who she was having, uh, who she was featuring tonight. Sometimes it's an author, sometimes it's agents or publishers. Um, what time would that be? It's uh, 7 p.m. tonight, and uh, tonight the, uh, it's a two. Um, two novelists that are going to be here, Dancy Senna and Heidi DeRoe. Oh, okay, great. So in case people are interested in attending, they could uh, still call and see if there is a room available. I know sometimes sure. it does fill up. Um, and right. that, that phone number they could call would be the 949-723-3406? That's correct. Wonderful. And um, I've been to those. It's a wonderful opportunity to just kind of uh, sit and uh, hang out with other people who are interested in literature and writing and here and getting up close and personal with some authors. I was able to be there when uh, Carolyn C. was there. Oh, right. Yes, that was amazing because, uh, you know, she's not really doing too many public appearances anymore. Wonderful, magical evening. So thank you for hosting those types of events in oh, addition absolutely. to having the gallery and these wonderful exhibits going on. So Speak for the Trees um, at Scape Gallery is kind of coming to a close. What what do you have coming in uh, next? Well, we have a, uh, we're working on a couple different exhibitions, and we've got an exhibit in November featuring artist Sally Storch um, and two other um, artists, Michael Chapman and artist uh, Paula Rubino, whose work um, comes from Florida. So it's a nice combination, mostly figurative and representation work. And we will have uh, some gallery artists between now and the beginning part of October. We'll be rotating some new work by some uh, um, other artists that we've done solo exhibitions for. Well, I love your space down there in uh, Corona Del Mar, and I'm so grateful that you have given uh, yourself to the world of art. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah. um, it's a wonderful world, world to participate in. Yes. Well, I wanted to ask you to um, tell our listeners, if you could, a little bit about uh, Speak for the Trees, which I was so uh, thrilled and grateful to you. You took me over to House of Balsamic, which, you know, I love balsamic vinegar, um, but I had no idea that there was this whole amazingly extended world of balsamic as um just, I mean, it's like the difference between, you know, in wine, two buck chuck and, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, uh, something uh, at the other end of the spectrum. Um, but it was it, amazing because they have such a beautiful facility there and many rooms where they were able to really be able to expand and include so many artists in this uh, Speak for the Trees exhibit. And that's going on uh, through the rest of this week. Could you tell us a little right. bit about what's going on about the exhibit that's going on over there? Sure. Um, the exhibit, Speak for the Trees, it shares the same theme, same title. 
um, that Orange Coast College and SCAPE did with the, along with the book. So it's, um, all of these exhibits were intended to be a dialogue with the book that was published. And the House of Balsamic Academy has an interesting philosophy that's very much in line with uh, our philosophy at SCAPE. And it, uh, it's really intended to be a place where people can gather participate in some different cultural events. They've also done some author speaking series there, and they host some um, special events for nonprofit organizations. And they have uh, 10,000 square feet, uh, which have been, a lot of it has been converted into gallery exhibition space. So it's a, uh, the gallery backdrop provides a wonderful environment to participate in these other events as well as get to do tastings of balsamic vinegar and like yourself get to learn about um really the incredible rich history that there is to making balsamic um and then it gives me a wonderful opportunity because there's so much exhibition space that it's a bigger canvas from which i get to play with a little bit and bring in a lot of artwork that i might not otherwise get to show at scape because our exhibition's in at scape is more on the small side mm-hmm. and so it allows me to bring some things I was very honored and privileged to work with them and be asked to curate exhibitions for them and it allows me to bring in artwork that um, sometimes it would be either video or installation work and some artwork that I'm not always able like I said to bring in just because of the restriction of size yes. so it, it keeps me creative and it's um, great to work with them in terms of you know the programming that they're doing there and it's, it's just a really great dynamic relationship that we're able to collaborate well, well i'm very excited i was um it was just such a treat to go over with you that day and see the exhibit there and then to be able to have a balsamic tasting for these balsamics that are like 50 years old and to hear about the process through which these balsamics are i mean it was you know it was very much to me like hearing about you know wine being made i mean but they're they're put in these casts and then they're they're you know uh, taken from one and then put into other barrels and then reduced and it was just and then to actually taste them I should right. mention uh, again being the practical sort <laughs> House of Balsamic is at 5 Mason Avenue Suite 200 in Irvine their right. phone number there is 949-455-0006 and the URL the the web address for their web page is www.houseofbalsamic.com Com. And a question, Jeannie, how much longer will the trees exhibit be there? The trees exhibit will be on exhibit through September 10th, Saturday, through this coming Saturday. Mm-hmm. And then there'll be about a week installation time where they won't have artwork up, and the next exhibit will open on the 19th of September. And the title of that exhibition is called The Art of Speed. And cool. it will feature artwork that um, deals with the Ferrari culture that also stems from the region where the balsamic vinegars uh, stem from, mm-hmm. Modena, Italy. So it will be a different sort of exhibit, but uh, it will be an in- interesting dialogue there between uh, some of that family history and uh, corporations that have been born from that area. And it sets up an interesting dialectic between the slow savoring of yes. the richness of the balsamic and the speed that's implied by the images of the Ferraris. Correct, yeah. Well, yeah. It, 
It'll be a, it'll be a good dynamic pairing for sure. Now, are you um, are you curating that uh, exhibit as well? I am curating a portion of it. They had some relationships with um, artists from Italy that they are bringing, and then I'm sort of doing the Southern California or California. Uh, dialogue with the artists that they're bringing. And so I'll be featuring and bringing in about three artists from Southern California who work with the um, concept of automobiles in a unique way. One of the artists creates uh, artwork using recycled parts from automobiles. Mm -hmm. And another artist uh, does similar sort of sculpture work with parts from automobiles. So it'll be I'll bring a different element to the exhibit that will dialogue with the things that they're bringing from Italy. So there's not just drawings and paintings and sketches, but also sculpture and right. uh, compositions, collages, and other uh, media. There'll uh, be any, multimedia. Any multimedia there, as in sound and moving picture, or anything like that? No, not at this time. Um, not the video. We are going to be collaborating with the Pasadena Art Center and they have an incredible autom- automotive design program at that school. And in October, we'll be able to feature uh, some models that the students have made that will be based on future automobile designs. So it'll be a, another great collaborative event where we'll be able to work in tandem with an you know, academic education component. Mm-hmm. Well, that's very, very exciting. Well, I was spent a little time on their website the other day, and I, I was so excited because um, it's very beautiful, and they have wonderful, even have some recipes up there of these very tasty, beautiful things that you can create with balsamic vinegars. And, of course, in their brochure here, they have at the um, House of Balsamic, they have balsamic vinegars that um, some are six years old, eight years old, up to... Uh, 100 years old balsamic vinegar that's 100 years old it's amazing and these wonderful little jellies and so beautifully packaged Uh, uh, just looking at the products it just the whole um, the whole experience of it was was so delightful and I'm excited for what they will be doing on their website there are some there's a a wonderful letter from their president who just kind of shares his uh, mission for what they're doing over there and making these uh, things accessible to people and their host hosting events Um, there's every once in a while they have the House of Balsamic Academy where they have these wine tastings and events and um so I would really encourage uh, anyone who's interested, maybe has never really thought about balsamic other than just that wonderful thing that you dip your bread in when you go to Italian restaurants to visit their website at houseofbalsamic.com. And uh, Jeannie, didn't you mention that they have a special event coming up uh, there on the 10th of September? They do. From 3 to 6 p.m., they're hosting an event for an organization, nonprofit organization called the window between worlds and it'll be a nice event where people can come uh, make a piece of art and um, participate with some artists one of the artists that's very involved with this organization has work on exhibit at for the speak for the trees exhibition that's currently on display and she'll be leading some of the workshops and the idea and their philosophy behind the organization is that they use art as a creative force for expression 
and mm-hmm. they're working to um, in tandem with people that are threatened by domestic violence, women and children in particular, and using art as a f- form of expression to deal with some of the large unfortunate topics in their lives. And what was that called? A window? A window between worlds. Window between worlds. And that's going on, uh, so that's on a Saturday? Yes, Saturday, September 10th from 3 to 6 p.m. Which by coincidence... Reservations are required. Mm -hmm. It would be best to call the House of Balsamic um, directly, Uh or they can contact... uh, Escape Gallery at 949-723-3406 for more information. So, uh, just to be clear, although on public radio we can't mention exact prices, Scape, if we go and visit uh, a an exhibit at Scape, uh, we can't say prices, but we can ask, is it free to visit? It is free to visit any exhibits at Scape Gallery. Oh, that's um, wonderful. It is free to exhibit or to visit exhibits at House of Balsamic Academy during business hours. For this particular event, it is a, an event to help sponsor the nonprofit organization. So there is a suggested donation right, to and, attend that particular event. And 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 listeners that are interested can get the information at right. the numbers we've already given out. And yes. um, and Window Between Worlds also has a, a website of their own, which is uh, www.awbw.org. <clears throat> so A Window Between Worlds, A-B-W, <laughs> A-W-B-W. <laughs> um, so that's wonderful. I, I love when the artistic community is... Um, I mean, a lot of times people just kind of think of artists as, you know, they're, they're just doing their art or musicians that they're just making their music. But a lot of artists and musicians and people in the in the artistic world are also doing very great, wonderful things for their community and for uh, using art for healing. And uh, I think it's wonderful that places like Scape Gallery and House of Balsamic are instrumental in that. Thank you. Yeah, it, it's, it makes the... Work we do worthwhile. So, just uh, we're gosh again. Don't tell me that the time is up already. It it is, but um, Jeannie, I I I had such a delightful time spending a day with you the other day. Thank you. Likewise, we had talked about maybe even doing a a walking tree tour at some point, which we haven't had a chance to organize. But Corona del Mar is home to so many amazing uh, trees and tree spirits. Um, so maybe we'll we'll be able to get together and do something. But yeah, I'd love that. Thank you so much for being in thank the world you. and thank you for doing all that being you're out doing. there and spreading the word. So if you would if you could say something to someone who's kind of thinking, well, I don't know if it's if I can really make a go of it. If I you know I feel a calling to do art of some sort, but you know maybe I should just get a business degree. What would you say? <laughs> well, I would say um, you know pursue that which is in your heart and uh, make art that I wouldn't give up your day job <laughs> right away. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of us, that's what we do, you know, like, you know, right. to even teaching yoga. It's like, you know, I, I have my day job and then, uh, but then I love also sharing uh, yoga and health with people. So, uh, but you know, our day jobs can be things that we enjoy doing too. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And sometimes they all tie together too. Absolutely. On top of each other. So. Well, again, my guest today, Jeannie of Escape Gallery in Corona Del Mar. Jeannie, could you give just the website and the phone number again in case people are interested in finding out what's going on over at Escape? Sure. Our website is www.scapesite.com. 
dot com. It's S C A P E S I T E dot com. And our phone number is 949-723-3406. And uh, um, I would encourage people to check out the website because it just sounds like you never know what you're going to be up to next. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we hope, yeah. We never know what we're up to next either sometimes. (laughs) Well, Jeannie, thank you again so much for coming on the show today. Alain Salah Lumen Amintielvo, a star shines in the hour of our meeting, my friend, and I hope that is before too long. Oh, actually, in fact, I'm coming down tomorrow because you have still, even though your full exhibit for Speak for the Trees is gone, you have this wonderful um, installation that's still there in case anyone is in the area and wants to go see these uh, mechanical uh, little birds and this large tree and it all they all dance and sing together and it's just delightful <laughs> so I'll be seeing you tomorrow afternoon that'd be great looking forward to it okay thanks so thank much thank you Tony you're welcome bye bye okay bye bye yeah, it's if you get a chance to get down there, there's this amazing uh, installation piece that's there right now. My my gosh, it sounds fascinating—a mechanical yes, well, it's this tree artist. with mechanical yes. birds. It's it's this artist, and I w- should have asked Jeannie what his name is. And it's all in silver, and the branches are made out of. He was an engineer, uh, obviously, you know, as you could tell. But um, the branches are all made out of you know, pieces of metal, and then the birds are these little, uh, they look like little airplanes, and their wings flap, and their eyes sparkle, <laughs> and they when they flap their wings, it causes the metal branches to bounce up and down, so it looks like the whole tree and the birds are dancing and, and bouncing and being well, happy. This is wonderful. I, <laughs> let's remind our listeners again, we're talking about SCAPE, and it's at www.scapesite.com. Dot com. That's S-C-A-P-E-S-I-T-E dot com. And, and you could actually purchase that uh, piece of art in case you are, you sound, that sounds amazing. I mean, if I had a big house, I, I would I would put it in my living room. <laughs> there, there you are. <laughs> So, and I'm not even a, I'm not even a, a mechanical type of person. You know, I like I like regular trees and birds, but it's really quite charming. So, it is time already. It I can't, can't believe be time it. already. Do we didn't even get to do adventure reports or movie news? Well, next week will be next week. We've got uh, there was just a couple little things here. It was uh, Michael Persbrandt, the great uh, Swedish actor who's playing Bjorn, uh, oh. actually gave an interview in Swedish, and we got a translation of that. But we can save that for next week. Okay. No, no, new, nothing major. Things that are just breaking news. It's like we've just got to know about it right now. No, no, no nothing major this week. Okay. Nothing major this week. And the, the adventure goes on. Absolutely. Well, and thank you again to our intern, Heather, for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Isn't it amazing how fast the time goes when you, you know, are talking to someone fun like Jeannie Denholm? Yes, it is. (laughs) She was very, very interesting. I'm excited to see that mechanical tree thing you're talking about. (laughs) Yes. Well, go down to Skate Gallery right down in Corona Del Mar. She'll be up for at least for a couple more days, I think. That sounds really neat. So that's Uh, our time for this. Yes, we should say this has been What Would Arwen Do? For Tuesday, September the 6th, 2011, and it's time to say see you next week, Elf Princess. That's right. Well, as we open our show, always with the amazing Academy Award-winning music of Howard Shore, we also will close. We open with the elves. We'll close with the hobbits. Sounds good. little music from Fellowship of the Ring, and then you and I, and we'll see whoever else might be, we'll be back next week 
for what would Arwen do? And next week, what, don't we have some interesting things? Oh, oh gosh, we next have. week it's going to be tremendous. There's the Center for Living Peace. There's the International Talk Like a Pirate Day. There's the Dunes at Newport Beach, and and all kinds of stuff. Pirates, and, and, and there are pirates in uh, in Middle Earth. Absolutely, we're going to find out about some of those. So tune in next Arg. week. Arg. <laughs> Arg. Oh my gosh, my dear hubby, you make a pretty good pirate. I've asked me, Hardy. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> That's a little too good. Yeah. <laughs> too good of an impression. So, uh, uh, yes. Okay, so until next week, Namaria, and here's a little music from um, a different a hobbit, unpiratish. This is KUCI in Irvine, Orange County's alternative radio station.